Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of I'm Like Consulting, Christian Klepp. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the B2B Marketers in the Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I am joined by someone who is on a mission, and that's to help B2B marketers and entrepreneurs navigate the ins and outs of digital marketing in an easy-to-understand and jargon-free way. So coming to us from Nevada City, California, Mr. James Hipkin, welcome to the show. Hey there. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Same here. And, uh, you know, we we really had a great conversation uh, like a week ago, and I'm really looking forward to diving in here. So let's get this started. Fantastic. Let's do it. So, James, you're quite the expert, um, and that's probably the understatement of the year, but like, you know, when when it comes to websites and digital marketing for B2B. So in our previous conversation, you talked about the importance of, well, let's let's just put it this way. Building websites is the easy part. The true challenge lies in the digital marketing aspect of it. So talk to us about how you think B2B marketers can use digital marketing to build their websites. Well, it starts, oddly enough, with a non-technical thing. It starts with understanding what the objective of the website is. A lot of times people think about the website as, well, that's something I have to do. And, oh, don't worry about it, it's just brochureware. And when you think about it that way, that's exactly what you're going to get. But if you do think about the website in terms of what's the business objective of the website, then you've got a plan and you've got something you can map strategy against. You can make decisions around tactics. And generally speaking, business-to-business websites fall into two large buckets. They're either confirmation or conversion. The conversion uh, objective is pretty common and and everybody understands that. The less understood objective is confirmation, which is very applicable, particularly in professional services, um, business-to-business advertising and marketing. Um, Executive A tells Executive B about this great lawyer they found and Executive B goes to the lawyer's website And it looks like it was built in the 1990s. Well, do I really want to talk to this person? Perhaps not. And I hear this frequently from from business folks. Well, you know, I don't need to update my website. I don't get any leads from my website. And the thing is, they can't see the null set. They can't see the people who went there based on word of mouth and just didn't bother to call. So understanding the objective of the website is possibly the most important uh, step that you need to make. And it's the one that's often skipped. Yeah, those are really great points. Um, and would you also say that, um, you know, not understanding the business objective of the website is also in many ways a missed opportunity? I mean, oh, for sure. Yeah. And and, and also people tend to like, uh, you know, we've seen this happen a lot, especially in the B2B space. Um, missed opportunities. And also to your, uh, to your other point about it being uh, some kind of like online brochure per se, more often than not, people get so tempted to just cram so much information into that oh, yeah. website that yeah. you're just and, drowning in overwhelm. 
<laughs> and that, that gets to the next really big opportunity relative to this is, and that's, again, has nothing to do with technology. It's understanding the customer journey, understanding how the website and the rest of your digital marketing can facilitate the customer journey. I use an acronym TTV, and it stands for trust or traffic, trust and value. Job one is get the right kind of traffic into your marketing funnel. Job two is to build a relationship, to build a trust, trust levels with this, these customers. And that comes from understanding their journey. The journey is not black and white. It's not this broke, need that, buy. There are steps. They're, they Building that, that mid-funnel area, um, I've written about this quite a bit on my blog, the mid-funnel area where you're building trust is another missed opportunity I frequently see. They throw everything in sundry onto the homepage of the website and nobody knows what to look at. And they leave. You know, so understanding the customer journey is a key factor to the success of any, any marketing program. The website becomes the, the hub within that marketing program. And as a result, that's your opportunity to, to maximize the value proposition that you're creating. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. You know, you know you've been in this uh, field for um, some time and uh, you've probably seen it all. So just talk to us about some of the common mis, uh, misconceptions and mistakes you've seen B2B marketers make when it comes to digital marketing and what they should do to address these. Right. Really common mistake is what I call inside out marketing. Uh, not B2B necessarily, but this latest little debacle out of Facebook is a great example of inside out marketing. They're talking about themselves. They're talking about them, what they want to do. Oh yeah, me, me, me. Oh yeah, and and it, it's a big, big mistake because your prospective customers, your existing customers are looking for solutions to their problem. If you can convert that inside out language in your digital marketing into outside in marketing, outside in language, then, then you're gonna have much more effective uh, marketing is going to work much harder for you. What's the problem that they're trying to solve? Agitate the problem. Give, put some urgency against it. Tell them about the risks if they don't solve this problem. Then present, we have a solution. And then make it crystal clear what they should do next. And then further down the page, you can get into, you know, overcoming obstacles. You can talk about social proof, you know, the other companies we work with, the, the testimonials we've received, et cetera, et cetera. But it all starts with what's the problem that the consumer wants solved, that the business owner wants solved when they reach out to you. And that, that's a very common thing, a common mistake I see frequently. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And I believe the, um, the approach that you were referring to, I think it's called PAS, right? So Problem yes. Agitate Solution, right? Yeah, Problem yeah. Agitate Solution, PASS. PASS, yep. there you go. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, uh, it's actually, I like the 
I always emphasize the CTA is also very important. Yes. I can't, I can't tell you that I go to, well, okay, so what am I supposed to do? Right. Right. After I've <laughs> seen all, all of this, what do you want me to do? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> but exactly. you know, I see this, I yeah. see this. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Right. Um, talk to us about a challenge that you and the team have, um, faced these past couple of months and how you managed to solve it? I don't know that we've solved it, but I can certainly talk about it. Sure. And we're doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenge that we face is, I mean, we build large websites for corporations. We know what we're doing. I mean, six-figure budgets are not uncommon. We're, we also have a product where we're providing websites for businesses who are at six figures and trying to get to seven figures. And that's a very different market from, from the multi seven figure uh, business that we do the custom work for, but that's such a noisy market. And I think a lot of B2B marketers face this same problem. It's how do you get your message through a noisy market? If you're in a business group on Facebook and you innocently post that you think you want to build a new website, within 10 minutes, 200 people have commented on it saying, I can do it for you for $500. Yeah. Yeah. And given the crap that I see out there, no, they can't. But how do you break through all that noise? You've got Wix out there buying Super Bowl ads and telling them, oh my God, this is so, the fashion model telling them, oh, this is so easy. I hear from my customers, the fashion model lied to me. It's not that easy. And I don't want to be a webmaster, right? I I need this, but I don't want to have to figure out how to do this. And But I don't have $80,000 to spend on a website. So how do you break through that noise? And I'm using being an expert guest on podcasts as a way to break through that noise. It's, it's kind of, uh, I was in a, uh, uh, one of our customers is the, uh, an angel investment group, um, Sacramento Angels, and we built their new website and they invited me to speak at a, a 1 Million Cups event yesterday. And I was talking about this and one of the other investors in this group was saying, you know, you, most of your business is through word of mouth. How are you, how are you going to extend word of mouth? And I'm thinking that podcasting can be an extension of word of mouth. It's the first one I've run across that seems to be a viable way. And for professional services, companies who are doing business to business marketing, and again, trying to fight with all this noise, uh, I'm my thinking is that podcasting and being an expert guest on podcast or actually having your own podcast might be a very effective way to break through this noise. This comment is going to sound really biased coming from me, the podcaster, but yes, I agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the reason why I agree with you, James. Um, I absolutely agree that being a guest on um, targeted podcasts, so podcasts that your your ideal uh, customer or your, your target audience listens to is a good way of like, helping to increase visibility for your brand in a way that is, um, and this is really important um, to your point about the groups, in a way that's not intrusive. It's not intrusive. It's not salesy. It's not 
in your face, like sign up now. It's you sharing your expertise in in a digestible format. Right. And getting people to like um, know who you are, trust you, and see that you have this credibility, you have this expertise to back it all up. Right. Right. And, and particularly in B2B marketing, because at the end of the day, people buy people. Yes. And, you know, there's these relationships and, and that, okay, this, this is a, a real dude and he seems to know what he's talking about. And, you know, the last guy I, I mean, I, I've literally had a, a customer call me up and I said, hi, Joe. And there was silence and I could hear shuffling around. And, and then he came back on. I said, Joe, what happened? Where'd you go? And he said, I had to sit down. You're the first web developer I've ever called who answered their phone. Wow, really? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because everybody else, you just fill out a form and then click submit and then hope. Yeah, or you signed (laughs) up at Wix or Squarespace Mm -hmm. or wherever it is, and they they hand you the keys to a Ferrari and wish you luck on the freeway. (laughs) And, you know, God help you if you break something. Yeah. And guess what? They break stuff all the time. Yeah. And uh, it's it's not nearly as easy as the fashion model and the TV ads as it is, but it is more and more important every day that your online presence be professional, be real, and be easy for your customers to work with and get value from. And top of mind too, right? Like, I mean, you, you know, give them something to remember you by that, you know, when they do think about, okay, B2B website expertise. Mm-hmm that your name comes to mind. Sure. And if you're a B2B owner, if you're a business owner, it's make sure that your customers look forward to going to the website because every time they go, they get more value because you're looking to build that relationship. You're looking to create value that goes beyond the transactional benefits. That's what creates competitive insulation. That's what keeps people coming back to you. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. James, there was something in our previous conversation that you said that really jumped out at me, and I really want to jam on this further, um, if that's okay with you. So you spoke about um, you spoke about this approach, and uh, I think you aptly called it the hub and spoke strategy. Right. right. So yeah. tell us about why you think that's so effective and how that will help um, B2B companies to increase uh, their revenue. Well, I think it's effective because it really takes advantage of of the real world, you know, the, the growth in online presence, the growth in online traffic, particularly for, with, as a result of the pandemic, has been, you know, huge. You know, retail uh, numbers are down 20% year over year last summer. And yet when you looked inside those numbers, online sales were up over 20%. So retail sales would have been a lot worse if it hadn't been for that. And, and that genie's not going back in the bottle. So <laughs> your online presence is vital. And the hub and spoke strategy acknowledges that. It creates a hub using the website around which your digital marketing activity uh, rotates. So the, the website is the hub. The digital marketing channels that you're using are the spokes and your content and messaging strategy, the outside in thing we were talking about before, that becomes the rim. 
And it, the power doesn't come from the individual tactics. The power comes from the connection and drawing people into an environment where you can acknowledge and support and reinforce the journey they're on and build that relationship. Digital marketing done in isolation can't do that. But when you glue the pieces together, like I'm describing, and you use the hub and spoke strategy um, as your basis, you know, suddenly all of the pieces work harder because they're, the, the connection is maximizing the value that's created, the value that's created for your customers and the value that's created for the business. Well, those are some really interesting points. And, um, you know, as you were explaining that, I came up with another question um, about, so you've, you've laid out the hub and spoke strategy and its mm -hmm. respective parts. And, uh, you know, on average, based on your experience, how long would it generally take a B2B company to develop and implement that? Uh, not that long, because they're probably doing most of the bits and pieces now. Mm -hmm. It's looking at it holistically. That's the, that's the insight. It's having the various piece parts work in concert with each other. You know, as simple an idea as having lead forms connected directly to an email service provider and then having an automation automatically generated. So that's one lead, leads coming in on one spoke. It's hitting the website. It's going back out another spoke. That spoke is talking to customers. You've got a consistent messaging strategy going on. You know that they've already engaged with you. So the messaging in the email acknowledges where they're at in their journey. It's that connection that brings the power. Most B2B marketers are probably doing the piece parts now. They're probably doing too many pieces now and not doing any, not as a result, not doing any of them nearly as well as they could be because they don't have a holistic strategy and they're probably doing too many things. To put it in layman's terms, they're probably like focusing a little bit more on the trees than they are in the entire forest. Right, right. that's right. Yeah. right. And, and shiny thing syndrome gets involved. Uh, yeah, yes. You know, I, I can't, I can't, people have come to me and, and they're like, well, we're, we're doing all this stuff on Instagram. I'm like, really, why? Your audience is all over 40. <laughs> They're not on Instagram. <laughs> why aren't right. you doing, why aren't you in LinkedIn? Why aren't you doing, I mean, yeah. th this is, you know, this, this is where, we're, where we're, we're at with a lot of folks. And, and how do you get from six figures to seven figures? It's by stepping up to some of this stuff. Right. It, it's by, you know, being smarter than your competitors, by mm. being a bit more strategic and, and maximizing the impact of all of the bits and pieces in your digital marketing strategy. And it starts and ends in the website, in my humble opinion. And that, that's not, it's a bit like your podcaster comment earlier, uh, appreciating that, of course, it's what I do, but that's also based on 40 years of experience working with high-end brands and, and you know, major programs and major budgets. Um, it, it's the website, the spokes, and the rim is a way to think about it, but it's really about get the right message to the right person at the right time, and and with an now in the digital age in the right way, um, and and that's where this is coming from. Yeah, yeah, those are, those are really good points. 
Those are really good points. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. You've spoken about it a little bit in the past couple of minutes, but what do you think um, B2B marketers uh, should prioritize or focus on uh, when it comes to like taking that digital strategy to the next level? And here's the other thing I'm going to throw in, into that question, especially if budget or resources are a concern. Yeah, and that, that's a great question. It, it begins and ends with customers. Your best source of new business is your existing customers. I mean, customers and particularly best customers, and I'll talk a little bit more about best customers in a minute, contribute value five ways. So you've got five different ways that you can generate value out of your existing customers. First and foremost, the longer they stay with you, the more return you have on the investment that was required to acquire them in the first place. The longer they stay with you, the better they understand your products and services. So their cost of service is lower, which increases the revenue that's available to you. The longer they stay with you, the more likely they are to recommend your product or service to other customers just like them. Maximizing revenue again. They understand your value proposition. You don't have to bribe them to buy again. And notice I used the word bribe. I mean, you still, one of the relationship marketing principles is good customers expect to be rewarded. Different between being rewarded and being bribed. Being rewarded is value add. Being bribed is, oh, we can do it for that price. You know, and good customers don't need that. They recognize your value proposition. And then finally, loyal customers are much more likely to advocate for you. They're, they're gonna recommend to, to people just like them that you ought to do business with these people. Which gets back to the website objective thing we talked about before is when that happens, make sure your value proposition and how you solve problems is clear on the website. Because guess what? In this digital age, that's where people are gonna go. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And those are some really great points. And, uh, you know, going back to what you said, if that's not clear in this digital day, day and age and they're on your website and they don't get what you do, guess what? They're, they're going to move on to the next one. Yeah, the average website visitor has an attention span. A goldfish has a larger, longer attention span than the average website visitor. Isn't that scary? It, oh it kind of is, you, isn't you, it? Like you have you have, you need to do. You've got a maximum six seconds, yeah, to get folks. And some of those seconds are used up by page load. Yes. So if your website is on a clunky server and it wasn't very well built, and you're using up three of those seconds just to load the page, I mean, why? Yeah, why start so far behind? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, speaking of which, that was a beautiful segue into the next question, because it's, what do you believe is currently the biggest challenge that 
B2B digital marketing is facing right now? Uh, I, I think it's the same answer as we were talking about before. It's mm-hmm. the noise. It, it's people yeah. with the with the proliferation of social media and the proliferation of digital channels and all of the different choices and and all of the things that are distracting people. The attention span thing that we're talking about that that's a huge challenge for a marketer today, and it's a challenge that really didn't exist to the same degree, you know, ten years ago. Um, how do you break through the noise and get your message? you know, get the right message to the right person at the right time. Nobody's going to argue with that. That's a hackneyed old axiom that everybody will nod their head over. You're nodding your head right now. <laughs> I am um, indeed. I am. Yeah. You know, at, but the reality is it's a really noisy space out there. And how do you break through that noise? That That's the, the, key challenge that that business to business marketers are facing right now particularly with more expensive products with more complex pro- product where you need to to you know work with somebody as they're going through their decision making process yeah. and it's having that plan to nurture the relationship understanding that you're not going to you know you, you you need to build some trust before the actual sale and and thus my comments to your earlier question about where's your best source is your current customers because at least some of that work's already done so use digital marketing to draw them back in to remind them you know even if all they do is see the subject line and preview text on your emails it's still keeping your name and your solution top of mind Absolutely. And it's it's Absolutely. people miss out on that. Well, nobody opens the emails. Yeah. It's a it's a missed opportunity. It certainly is. And you know, it it reminds me of you know something that we've we've all read uh somewhere online, whether it's in a report put together by McKinsey or Gartner or what have you. Not every B2B industry, but many of them will have multiple uh stakeholders who are responsible uh for the decision making and the buying process. Mm-hmm. They will all conduct independent research more often than not, even before they contact the vendor. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So what are they going to find if they look look you up? Yep. Right. How are you going to differentiate yourself? That's right. Um, and, and every business is different. I mean, we have one customer who's, uh, uh, they're a boutique consultancy. Um, but they work in artificial intelligence and applying artificial intelligence to business process. And they work with companies like Chevron, right? And how do you set price at pump using artificial intelligence rather than, you know, the sort of gut gut feeling that people have? Um, the CEO of this company, and this is a guy I've worked with for probably 15 years. I think we've rebuilt his website four or five times. Um, it's, you know, his, his perspective is, he says, this is like the book Moneyball. We're using data to make decisions that were historically subjective and the return, I've seen the numbers. I can't get into the numbers, but I've seen the numbers, the, the ROI that they're generating out of this investment is in multi seven figures. And wow. You know, 
And it, but but how do you get past the gatekeepers? That's another common solution for business to business websites. And and you just brought it up. How do you get past? And his whole website strategy is around. I have to get past gatekeepers. That's the job of the website. And he was very clear on what his objective was. And as a result, he is a very effective website. Exactly. Because, and again, this goes back to what you were saying earlier on in the conversation. They understand who it is they need to reach out to and why. And and how they are in their journey. Correct. Yep. Correct. As opposed to uh, shooting in the fog. right? Right. He says, if he can sit down one-on-one with the CEO of a major corporation and the chief technology officer and the chief, you know, the, the chief marketing officer, once he gets in the room with those people, eight times out of 10, they'll buy their services. The purpose of the website is to get him in that room. Kind of sounds like it's, um, it's achieved that objective, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, these next two questions are an opportunity for you to, um, get up on your soapbox, <laughs> but, um, okay. what's a, um, a status quo or a commonly held belief in your area of expertise that you passionately disagree with and why? Um, one of, uh, we touched on it already. Yeah. There's a commonly held belief. I hear it frequently Oh, email marketing. It's old. It's, it's no longer, I don't need to be thinking about that anymore. I think that's a huge mistake. It's a big, big mistake. Um, It's one of the least expensive digital media channels you've got. It gives you the opportunity to build value with existing customers more effectively than anything else. We talked about the five ways that existing customers can build value, but it doesn't happen by accident. And email marketing is a very cost-effective way to achieve that. I wish people would be paying more attention to it and, and, and doing it more effectively. And one of the ways that they miss when they're doing email marketing is they think it's a sales channel. It's not a sales channel. It's a chance to build relationship and to build trust. And, to, and you do that by creating incremental value, value that goes beyond the functional and transactional benefits of your product and service. And email marketing is a great way to do that. It, it's a missed opportunity, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And, you know, it's uh, just as you said, it's about building relationship and trust. It's not an opportunity to like, uh, you know, pitch customers like, hey, this is our new product. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah, there are still opportunities. I mean, to build, I mean, in good, smart email marketing. Yeah. If you're if you do an article in your email and you, you know, you open the opening paragraph and then there's a read more link, and the article is about a particular problem that that you know is a becoming a more important problem in your business sector, and somebody clicks on that link, they're sending you a big giant message. They're sending you, okay, I'm no longer on the periphery here. I'm in, I'm doing some consideration and some prospecting here. Okay, what are you doing about that? Do you have an automation in place in your email market, even e- email platform that sends them a message? And that message could be a bit more sales oriented because they've they've told you about what they're doing by virtue of clicking on that link. 
They've told you what they're interested in. Answer that question. And they've indicated that they're ready to move on to the next step. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And that that's, I mean, you can do all of that very easily and very cost effectively if using an email service provider. You know, uh, that it can be as simple as as MailChimp or Active Campaign or one of the standalones, or it can be more sophisticated like HubSpot or Marketo or Pardot or there, I mean, there's any number of solutions out there, mm. but they're all much more effective if they're executing against a strategy. That's right. That's right. And the you know you touched on it before the conflict between sales and marketing. I'm sure that never happens in any B2B company. Of course not. <laughs> All hearsay. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's fantastic. And uh, you know, just to just to wrap up the conversation, James, like if you were to give uh, those B2B digital marketers advice out there, what's one thing you think they should start? And one thing you think they should stop doing? They should start journey mapping. They should start putting a bunch of energy, and this is where sales and marketing can really cooperate with each other. Uh, map that journey, understand that journey, let the customer's journey drive the marketing and sales decisions. Not the opinion of the sales manager or not the opinion of the chief marketing officer. Let the customer journey drive those decisions. That's something that they should absolutely start doing if they're not already doing it. And if they are already doing it, go back and do it better. Um, and the thing they should stop doing is they should stop selling features. Stop talking about themselves. You know, use their features and attributes as reasons to believe, not as the primary message. The primary message is we can solve your problem. We can solve your problem. And that's, that's a, a practical and, and logical message. And that can also be an emotional message. I mean, the, the, the famous uh, positioning statement from Federal Express that revolutionized the, the, the overnight shipping category when it absolutely positively has to be there overnight. That's exactly right. It. Yeah. They, they were competing with behemoths in the shipping world. And they came out of nowhere and just left them all in their dust. By speaking to the, how do I solve this problem? They didn't talk about their hub and spoke system. They didn't talk about the number of airplanes they had. They didn't talk about how big their warehouses were. They didn't, they said when it absolutely positively has to be there overnight. So the thing they should stop, yeah. B2B marketers have to really be good about stopping is stop talking about your features. Yeah. And if I may throw in one more thing, they should stop talking about their proprietary technology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Talk about that with your investors, but don't, don't yes. that's not a marketing strategy. That's right. That's right. No, James, thank you so much. I mean, this, uh, this conversation has been super informative, insightful, very thought provoking. 
and you gave us also very actionable tips. So please do us the honor of um, introducing yourself to the audience and uh, let folks out there know how they can get in touch with you. Okay, so I'm James Hipkin. Um, I am the founder and CEO of a company called Red 8 Interactive. Our B2B website service is called Innately, I-N-N number eight L-Y. Um, you can find out about that at innately.com. But what I really want, what I would really like to see is, you know, I, I want B2B marketers to embrace the hub and spoke marketing strategy and see for themselves the power of connection. So go to hubandspoke.marketing where you can download our ebook, Journey to Success, Digital Marketing for Small Business Owners. Let me repeat that web address, hubandspoke.marketing to download the free ebook. Read it to see how John, a small business owner, learned to connect the rim, his content, the tactics, his spokes, and the website, the hub, and how he maximized the impact of his digital marketing. That would be awesome if I can get that message out there. Fantastic. Fantastic. James, thanks again for your time. Uh, take care, be safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, Christian. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I truly look forward to talking again about any of these subject areas. All right. Take care. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.